Um, this is our first Behind the Headlines of 2017 um, and it ended up being more of a Behind the Headlines than we could have planned for given the Times Higher announcement on Friday. Um, Folks, you couldn't have planned that, so it was just serendipity that we uh, uh, are having this this evening. Um, it's a panel discussion on the world university rankings and what they mean for Irish uh, higher education and research. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jane Olmeyer and I am the director here at the Trinity Long Room Hub, um, which is our Institute of Advanced Studies uh, in the Arts and Humanities. And the whole purpose of these behind-the-headlines um, uh, panel discussions <coughs> is to bring a deeper, more nuanced uh, uh, understanding, a longer-term perspective to some of the most uh, uh, controversial uh, issues uh, of the day. Um, those of you who have been joining us um, uh, uh, last, in 2016, we've had some terrific uh, uh, panel discussions of terrorism, uh, migration, Syria, Brexit, uh, populism, uh, 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 and so on. Back to tonight, um, we're, we're really just going to uh, uh, get our teeth into uh, the much debated use of the rankings to measure uh, university performance on a global uh, scale. Um, whether we love them or we hate them, uh, there's no getting away from the fact that, that the rankings are very much now a feature of university uh, 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 life and the higher education uh, landscape. We've got three very, very distinguished uh, panellists who are each going to speak for about nine minutes each, uh, as is our custom, uh, and then it'll be over to you for Q&A and hopefully a really uh, a robust discussion of this. Um, we're at the point now where the only Irish university uh, in the top 100 of the QS rankings is Trinity at 98. And while we're not saying um, that university rankings should drive government strategies or university strategies, the fact is we, we can't ignore them. I say this actually as a former VP for Global Relations um, and where I really noticed uh, 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 the rankings being so critical was in, in, in countries, particularly in Asia. Uh, but you have some funding agencies across, for example, Latin America that won't even have a conversation with you unless your university is in the top 100 uh, of the QS or, or the Times higher. So again, they're very much uh, a feature uh, of our lives. Now we are in an Institute of Advanced Studies in the Arts and Humanities, so we did some comparable uh, uh, data crunching for the Arts and Humanities, where you can see that they're actually punching uh, above their weight. So uh, the Arts and Humanities uh, consistently have uh, performed uh, 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 well, again, uh, interesting to see uh, the, the Galway uh, upward turn in the arts and humanities. Uh, here at Trinity, uh, the arts and humanities are 61 in uh, the QS rankings. And an argument could be made that the only reason Trinity is in the top 100 at all is because of the performance of the arts and humanities. Um, now, I leave that with you to debate or reflect on. Um, I couldn't possibly comment uh, uh, further. Um, so uh, I'd like now to, to turn to our uh, uh, distinguished panel um, and some 
of whom will be very well known, starting uh, uh, with Mike Jennings, who is the General Secretary of the Irish Federation of University uh, Teachers. Um, and uh, obviously very, very delighted Mike could be uh, with us this evening. Um, also, I'd like to uh, welcome uh, Ben Souter, who is the head of division of the QS Intelligence Unit and responsible for operational management of all major uh, QS research projects. Ben, I'm very conscious this isn't your first visit to Dublin, and hopefully it won't be your last that you'll go away from this evening. Um, uh, 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 but you're very, very good to come, and you're extremely welcome. As is our third uh, panellist this evening, Ellen Hazelcorn, who's the policy advisor to the Higher Education uh, uh, Authority here in Ireland, the HEA, and Emeritus Professor and Director at the Higher Education Policy Research Unit at, uh, at DIT. So uh, thank you very much indeed. So without uh, further ado, um, I'd like to uh, invite Mike Jennings uh, to uh, address us. Mike. Thank you very much, Jane, and uh, thank you for the invitation to talk to you and uh, talk with you, as I understand is uh, the tradition of the uh, Behind the Headlines uh, seminars. And uh, I have uh, I had told Jane that I intended to be quite brief, and she was very pleased and said, yeah, brief is good because questions and answers is where we normally get the most work done. So I will try to uh, fit in with that as best I can. When I don't know if you're aware, but I was asked to provide the uh, title uh, for the contribution I wanted to make this evening, uh, which I provided um, some time back. And when I tell you the title, I think you probably uh, guess fairly well that I'm not exactly going to be the most analytical or the most balanced uh, uh, coming from a certain perspective on this thing, because the title uh, of um, what I want to say is the puerile pursuit of a meaningless me metric. Now, it strikes me, I could probably sit down now and we could uh, have a question <laughs> and and we could uh, te tease that out. Um, I, I think it's important to say as well that um, I, I was asked to respond, and I have no difficulty with this whatsoever, but I, was just, I, was just, I, I took it that I was responding to the title University Ranking. So I didn't disaggregate the topic in any way. I didn't try to differentiate to see it come out from any particular uh, angle. And the reason I say that is, uh, and this chimes in with the title that you use for these seminars, I, I believe that rankings effectively is all about headlines. And it is not about going behind headlines, and not about drilling down behind headlines. And, it's and that's where their effect is. And I would argue that in major part, the effect is negative. And I would say that the effects are negative simply because they are presented as a finished product beyond which and beneath which and into which people do not analyse and drill and so on. And therefore, almost inevitably, they uh, create distortions and, and, and difficulties, especially for those of us who work day and daily uh, within the system and trying to, to make it operate. Uh, I am I, familiar um, from um, various um, education international conferences uh, that there is a kind of a standard way that people begin their contributions uh, and it's broken down the Canadian model versus the American model, right? And the American model is that you tell a joke to start off to warm up the audience and the Canadian model is that you apologise to get the audience on your side, right? So <laughs> actually um, I had what I thought was a killer analogy uh, to start off with uh, to illustrate uh, the pure nature of university rankings. But unfortunately, or perhaps not uh, for me, 
Uh, I shared the analogy with a colleague of mine today. She said, Jesus, you can't say that in Trinity College tonight. <laughs> You're not going to say that. So I have a puerile analogy which refers to what uh, immature boys mostly, uh, but you know, 70-year-old men can be president of the United States of America as well, can be quite puerile as well. But there is a tendency, but I'm not allowed to go into the little parable or the illustration I was going to give you. So I kind of stuck for the first minute or so of my speech, but I'm probably spared the shock and awe, shock and horror for me being so indelicate as to have gone there. So anyway, that's that's my apology and my apology for not being humorous. So I kind of done it across the border between Canada and the United States in, in Munro, I hope, right? I have one really telling question which I think is useful to um, to, to, to hang my position on, and that is does anybody in this room or elsewhere, if they think about it, seriously believe that the quality of the, of the undergraduate education experience or indeed that the quality of the research programmes conducted in any one of the universities, say in NUIG compared to UCD, is anybody going to say that one is better or worse than the other on the basis that one or other has gone up 5 or 10 points or down 5 or 10 points in the last rankings about which there's been so much uh, speculation in, 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 in the media? I, I just don't believe it and I, I think in that sense it doesn't touch upon a, a, a real assessment of what's going on, what goes on in the life of undergraduates who are the mainstream and the main, main reason why we have a university system in the first place. And nor, I would suggest, does it touch upon the integrity of research, which is the second uh, the main motive. And I think in that sense, we need to be much more measured about the whole thing. We're often told, and I'm told all the time, that, well, you know, uh, university rankings are terribly important. And I'm told this by university heads and administrators. And mind you... Curiously enough, it seems to be all heads and administrators who are pushing this line, but anyway, and, uh, that you need to have rankings because that's what we need to attract international students, and that's what we need to attract international faculty of the best description. Now, I just don't buy that. And, 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 and I suggest it by way of, if you want to do pre-research uh, for my staggeringly in-depth contribution tonight, that you might have a look at the movie, short movie, uh, which was released about two years ago. It's called You Mean Is Anam Dung. I don't know if anybody have ever heard of You Mean Is Anam Dung, but I'll tell you about it. It's a wonderful thing. It's about a, a, a Chinese man by the name of You Mean who decides to come to Ireland, and he does all his research before he comes to Ireland. And he arrives in Ireland believing that everybody in Ireland speaks Irish. So he speaks no English, and he only speaks Irish. And surprise, surprise, he finds it is a completely different country. Now, the important thing is you mean is a work of fiction. Very funny film and heartwarming, but it doesn't reflect the reality. I get phone calls literally every month from foreign academics and occasionally less often from uh, uh, prospective students inquiring about uh, the prospects of a career move or a studies move to Ireland. And they ask all sorts of questions. And a number of students and prospective staff members I've known have changed their minds about either not coming or deciding to come. And I've never yet come across anybody in 10 years who made that decision based on the rankings of any one of the universities. They base it on what they should base it on, I hope, is an individual acquaintance with the specific department or school that they're going to go to, combined with what is the living situation that they're going to find in that city, in this case Dublin. In other words, what the taxation be, what's the housing like, and so on. So the idea that rankings are uh, an instrument, I, I just don't buy it, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm open to be persuaded otherwise. 
Now, um, one of the things that, as somebody who is grappling day and daily with the whole question of university underfunding, it, one thing that disproportionately annoys me out of all proportion is the disproportion, not proportion, but anyway, uh, is when I hear good public money being wasted on advertising by universities. And the one that really gets my goat is Minute University. You know the one where the academics don't lock their doors because they don't like to keep students out? I mean, this is the only reason we lock our doors in academia is to keep students out. Right? These sort of ridiculous things. So I do get annoyed uh, about advertising. But when it comes to um, ranking, I have to admit, I don't really get annoyed. I do get kind of embarrassed, though. I do, really. Now, I think it would be impolite and impolitic of me to talk about Paddy Pendergast when I'm in Trinity College Dublin. And in any event, Paddy is safe because I don't know him very well, right? But I do know two of the current presidents, and there are men as you know. I know Jim Brown pretty well, and I know uh, Brian McCraft pretty well. I, I served as an, I studied as an undergraduate with both of them. And can I just tell you, I mean, Jim Brown is one of the most serious and measured people that you'll meet in a day's walk. But NUIG goes up 10 points, and Jimmy becomes practically skittish with excitement. And I just think, Get over yourself. You know, they just don't understand that. And, and you, DCU uh, always trumpets their abilities on the basis that they are in the top ranks of the world's youngest universities, under 50 or under 25, I can't quite remember. I mean, you know, just obsession about having to be on the top of some table, no matter how ridiculous it is, it, it, it suggests to me that if there was to be a ranking for the best suburban university, somebody will be claiming that they're at the top of it and saying how they're really uh, thriving as a result. So I, I worry about that. Um, I'm probably going on too long already. Now, there's so many rankings. There are QS, Times, Higher Education, Shanghai, and so on. Uh, in fact, I was uh, recently in the University of Alcala in uh, Madrid, and they produced it. They quote themselves as being uh, featured on nine separate rankings, right? Um, so, you know... It, it's everywhere. Now, the funny thing is about the University of Alcala, if any of you have ever been there, it's beautiful. It's a world heritage site. It was founded in thir- uh, 1293. You know, it beats uh, this eminent institution by almost 200 years. Um, 1293. And one of their main claims to fame is that they're in the top young universities founded in the last 50 years. You know, so you'd have to ask yourself, where is the integrity there? Can I just say to you, in relation to coming at it from an Irish perspective, by our calculation, and as I are, I mean we, the international trade union community of those who work in education, particularly higher education, calculate that there are approximately something between 16,000 and 18,000 higher education institutes in the world, right? Not one single university in Ireland is out of the top 500. Now, maths is not my strong suit, so I actually calculated this on my smartphone. If there are 16,000, that means that all Irish universities are in the top 3.125%. And if there's 18,000, it means we're in the top 2.777%. So what are we worrying about? Are we seriously talking about changing what we do to move up 0.0.1% so that we're better than Galway or worse than Cork? I mean, it just is ludicrous. And the reality is that it does have negatives. It isn't just a board game or a parlour game for innocent fun. There are negatives. But let me start off first by saying there are also positives. There are two positives I can see about the annual... Sorry. The annual 
number of announcements with regard to rankings. I mean, obviously there's more than one a year, five or six a year. And it seems to me that every time you look at the rankings, you can say with certainty that the ones at the top have more funds. And you can say with almost the same certainty that the ones at the top have a higher staff-to-student ratio. And I point that out every time I get a phone call from the education correspondents asking me, am I happy or sad about the rankings? And I don't go into the tirade, which I'm going into now, but I do always point out, at least that gives me a platform to point to staff numbers and funding. And for that, small mercy and grateful. But there is a downside, and I do believe that there is an in, 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 in downside, a downside. I believe that the sheer simplicity of rankings. And this is the thing, I mean, I, I want to be quite clear. I'm not impugning the integrity of the institutions or the people who work within those institutions who compile these rankings. I ex accept without reservation the integrity which they bring to their task. I also accept the detail that they go into. But I would ask them to accept all of that is lost. It is the simple message that is portrayed by the ranking, that is the ranking, and that is the source of damage. If you engage in simple messages, you get simplistic solutions, it seems to me. And what happens, and I believe, from my perspective, working in higher education, that these rankings, they encourage things that are not healthy. They encourage man managerialism. They encourage the pursuit of good publicity over good quality. And the old thing, I used, people used to say in international conferences, as Mike Jennings says, until somebody says, you know, Mike Jennings didn't say that originally at all, it's Albert Einstein said that, you know, should be crediting Mike Jennings with that, right? So I didn't say this originally. But the quote is, if you start off trying to measure what is valuable, the danger is you end up only valuing what is measurable. That's the real danger. How do you value good teaching? It's much easier to count citations. We had a scientist down in UCC who did a paper on fellatio among fruit bats. He was the most cited scientist in five years internationally. I don't know about the quality of his research. It was controversial. And I wonder... Do we elevate controversy over quality if we can't find methods to measure quality and can we measure the quality of our education system in a way that's really meaningful? I believe that at best, rankings are a distraction. I believe at worst, they contribute to all that's worse about trying to codify, simplify the process that we are engaged in, which is the finding out of new knowledge and the passing out of that new knowledge to a new generation. I believe that there is a distractive complication arising from ranking. And I'm aware that nowadays you can't speak at any event unless you mention the Donald. So I'm going to say a really cheap thing, and I'm going to say that I worry about Donald Trump having his hand on the nuclear button. And quite frankly, I wonder about people who are more fixated 
with the size of tents. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Um, so my name is Ben Souter, and it's, it's all my fault, I suppose. Um, I'm the head of division of the QS Intelligence Unit. I've been one of perhaps the primary brain behind the QS World University ranking since their inception in 2004. Uh, and it's been an interesting time. Uh, despite that, I actually agree with a lot of what Mike said. Uh, that might be a surprise. Um, not quite all of it. I, I like to think that we're doing more good than harm, as I imagine everybody does with whatever it is that they're doing. Uh, but I recognize some of the pitfalls and some of the shortcomings of rankings. Not specifically our rankings, but rankings as a paradigm in the first place. It's relativistic. You can, you're influenced as much by the performance of others as you are by the performance of yourself. Um, so the, the Irish picture is that because... Ireland is getting weaker, or is that because the rest of the world is getting stronger? There are possibly um, evidences for both of those uh, factors, and they come together in, in a certain measure to, to drive that performance measure. Um, a brief introduction to QS, though. Um, our principal business is helping students make smarter choices, essentially. We have run international education fairs around the world, and are exposed to that question of international students wondering how good their potential options are. We're also exposed to the trend that there are a lot more players in that space. The Trinity, for example, is competing with a larger number of institutions, a larger number of destinations um, every year, that there are more places where it is interesting to go than there once were. Rankings, therefore, uh, have become, for many, a starting point for their search, which actually perhaps comes together to form both of those that when you're out on the road doing your primary recruitment effort, people are concerned about the ranking of Irish institutions, the ranking of Trinity. But by the time they're calling up Mike, trying to understand what the experience is here, they've already pre-validated that decision-making process through the rankings, and now they're doing that deeper research to find, about, find out whether or not Ireland's actually an okay place to be, because the rankings have already, uh, they've already used them if they're going to use them at all by that stage. So... In 2003, the Shanghai rankings emerged. Uh, there was a little bit of a furore around them to begin with. The Shanghai rankings are based almost entirely on research metrics. They look at things like Nobel Prize winners and field medals. They claim that a Nobel Prize won in 1901 by an alumnus of your institution from 1876 has some bearing on the performance of your institution in 2017. Uh, we thought that maybe there are other things that we could look at. Um, so our methodology is somewhat different. It's based largely on reputation. We do a very large survey of academics worldwide, across the academic spectrum, and we bring together metrics with equal weighting between five faculty areas to try and ensure that the arts and humanities is more ably represented, since I'm speaking in this facility that's worth uh, emphasising. Uh, we also do a survey of employers. Consistently, our research finds that one of the things that students want to know most about is is this going to help me? Is this brand recognised in the market? When I go into an interview with an employer, are they going to recognise Trinity College or UCD or wherever it happens to be that they're applying to? We then balance that out with metrics. Faculty-student ratio is one aspect that Mike touched upon. We also look at international ratios to gauge the international attractiveness of an institution. 
And finally, we use a citations metric, which for many years of our existence was overtly geared towards the sciences. That's a fair criticism to bring, uh, bring to bear. Uh, but since 2015, it's been rebalanced to try and uh, bring the arts and humanities and social sciences into more equal measure. So that's a brief overview of how it works. Those are drawn together with weightings. They're easy to find online. I encourage you to look at how we're doing it. The simple truth is that this is a simplistic and reductionist approach to looking at university quality. These institutions are fabulous places to be. It's a privilege to be invited to a university, and what universities do is universally more important than what we do. If there is anything that we're doing to contribute in a positive fashion to that, and perhaps today's debate will shed some light on that, then, then it's a, a privileged place to be. However, it's also very complex to look at. Um, Umberto Eco said that lists are the origin of culture. How does one attempt to grasp the incomprehensible through lists? The truth is that rankings have been around for a lot longer than we've been doing this. Before rankings existed in the form they currently are, they existed in everybody's heads. Everybody knew or thought they knew what the best university in their country or their city or their town was. Everybody thought they knew where they should send their children or where they should apply for faculty positions. Um, but they didn't have that based on very much data. They had that based on reputation. They had that based on, on what was going on, what they knew, where their parents went, what their parents told them. So rankings as they exist today perhaps provide more evidence and more data into something that was already there. And in many ways, they have opened up people's insight into places that they may not have previously considered. Our principal audience has been prospective international students. And prospective international students often don't know that much about other parts of the world. And we believe that rankings have helped them consider options that they may not previously have done. That rankings have grown symbiotically with a growth in international student migration and international student diversity. That arguably more students from more places are coming to Ireland today as a result of having access to rankings to give them that starting point to say, hello, Ireland, that's interesting. Let's have a look at that. Let's have a look at that in more detail. Let's call up Mike and see what he thinks. And maybe we'll consider Ireland as a destination that we hadn't previously considered. That being said, uh, what we operate from is a platform uh, that I think is most ably summarized from a, by a quote uh, from George Box, which is, Essentially, all models are wrong, but some are useful. We don't stand on a soapbox declaring that rankings in general are, are an absolute science or a perfect algorithm, and much less so that our own are. We recognize that they don't really get into teaching quality. They don't get into the importance of universities in their own community. Uh, but we believe that they have some use. They have some use as a shortlisting tool for prospective students, and they've had some value as a catalyst for performance measurement and management in general, which for the most part, by both policymakers and institutions alike, takes a much more sophisticated form than to look at our rankings and say, how do we do better in that ranking? For, most of, for the most progressive universities, they take on board the rankings as one part of a much broader scorecard of measures that are attuned to their own individual missions. Uh, the best systems that I've seen might be engaging with ranking metrics from across the sector of now 19 different global university rankings. That's the current number. Uh, 
to inform maybe 10 to 15% of what they're thinking about in terms of performance. The rest is balanced out by what matters to them and that institution. There is a sense that rankings have become a homogenizing force, that every university is, is encouraged to emulate Harvard. But I would argue that Times Higher and QX, where a major component is reputation, they're actually encouraging universities to secure their own distinctiveness at the same time as to pursue aspects of quality. What we're working on is more models, more rankings, more ratings, more evaluations, more classifications, different ways for different institutions to represent their different strengths. This is not just about one number anymore. QS produces rankings in 42 subject areas, five faculty areas, context-based rankings in six different world regions, a ranking of cities as, as seen by, by students, a ranking of young universities that perhaps needs a little bit of a fact check, um, a, uh, a, and, a, and now a ranking of universities in terms of what they're doing for the employability of their graduates and a little bit more depth uh, than just the survey that we're using in the main ranking. We're interested in looking at innovation, looking at community engagement, looking at internationalization in more depth and detail. And together, these metrics provide a more multifaceted view of what university quality looks like, although still not a complete one. When it comes to Ireland, I would herald Mike's point that all of the Irish universities do pretty well. When you compare Ireland in, in its completeness to any other system, it's extremely competitive. Indeed, uh, I looked today, and there is only one world economy smaller than Ireland that has a university in the top 100, and that's New Zealand. So, independently of that slide that we're potentially seeing uh, in relative terms year on year through the rankings, Ireland is, is punching well above its weight. And the number of institutions that are in those top 2.777777% is a very impressive achievement and rivals perhaps only Switzerland and the Netherlands in the context of our rankings. Should universities and uh, policymakers be taking rankings more seriously? I would argue absolutely not. Should institutions and policymakers be taking their international performance and competitiveness more seriously against a definition that they set out for themselves, I would argue absolutely. And can rankings form some small part of, of a tool to, to educate that? I think they can. So my general message is we go around the world enjoying, from a certain perspective, how much influence we've mysteriously managed to gather uh, to ourselves. And Telling people, please, don't take us any more seriously. If anything, take us less seriously. Use the rankings for what they actually measure and what they can tell you, uh, but take your own definition of success of the sector or the institution more firmly into your own hands and define what that picture looks like for yourselves. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Right, so I'm going to try and put some of those rankings into perspective and cover off some of the ground that both um, Mike and Ben have um, talked about. We've been looking at um, the rankings issue now since about 2006. And I think Ben and I have been on and off with out of these circuits. Um, let me start by asking, you know, 
about this issue, about the role of rankings and where they're, they're used. I mean, it's certainly clear that rankings are used to highlight ambition, they set strategic goals, they measure performance, reward success, they allocate resources, they're used for all kinds of reasons. I have to concur that students do use them. Um, they, they vary, but a lot of the, the research, particularly international students, are what I call high achievers, or what I call free to, free to choose. Students who are not um, caught up with um, funding or um, student support issues and can go wherever. In some cases, the data would show that students, by very small numbers, will pick the difference between an institution ranked at uh, 48 as opposed to 50 and think there's something magically better. Um, Employers use them. Universities use them. Trinity uses it itself to form its partnerships and networks. And others are doing the same. The whole kind of global networks of universities are precisely that. They're clubs of universities for wider access. They're like other multinational um, groups. Employers use them. A bit like, that, like the uh, milk runs that used to be around when I was in college. And government policy in many countries is influenced by rankings. I mean, there are many, we only need to look across, to some extent, not quite the UK, but certainly Germany, certainly France, certainly um, if we look at Russia, if we look at India, if we look at China, if we look at a whole rake of, of countries, not just in Asia, but in Europe, that use and influence rankings. And if we look at particular US states, they're particularly influenced by rankings. I'm always interested by Kansas and Texas, and we've driven an entire policy within your own flagships. And as a, as a source, they are used as an indicator. They, they set its success. They underline this accountability and transparency agenda. They send a particularly powerful message to what I call mobile capital and talent. They're used particularly in a global world, and they are precisely that, and increasingly, whatever about student choice, in my view, they're increasingly about ge the geopolitics and the changing geopolitics. And maybe that's a good way to look at Ben's comment about New Zealand and so on, because in that sense, a lot of what is, is operating, they are relational. So we're looking at a case where the Irish position is being compared with what else. And I'm thinking of a comment Mary Robinson made just the other day, talking about the rise of Trumpism and talking about disgruntlement and grievance of white entitlement. And to some extent, globalization does allow more players in, and that's what we see coming into the, into, the, into the sphere, and the rankings do show us that. But it's also true that no country can be on the other side of history, and that we need to be competitive and operating where we are, and so consequently, whether we like it or not, they've become a, a tool. But do they tell us anything meaningful about higher education policy, um, performance, or quality? And here we really need to raise a whole lot of questions about what it is that's being measured. And essentially the methodology, despite um, what the varying rankings do, the methodology is hugely unsuitable. The indicators are insufficiently meaningful of any sense of what we're actually trying to get there. There's a lot of proxies, and the data is hugely reliable. Take the story here at Trinity with the data being wrong and so on. That may be, I'm not getting into the ins and outs of it, but the data that many institutions provide is hugely unreliable. 
We don't know what it is that we're counting. There's no verification. And in some sense, I'm not suggesting that universities lie. Or indeed, we have the other side of the picture. But gaming is an issue. On the other hand, if it, it's not really tenable that we can look at Trinity being restored to global rankings, to its position, that it moved from what was at 160 to 101, because the data got right, and then all of a sudden it dropped 30 in a year? Have you done something differently? Is that credible that that could happen? I'm not quite sure. So let's then look. So we've got three basic issues. Rankings essentially measure wealth, whether it's garnered, so it's largely about the inputs, and the, we can look at a whole load of that issues, whether it's garnered because of age, endowments, tuition levels, or government investment. And that's a huge issue. The choice of indicators and the kinds of um, basis of which they are, they are, as Ben said, disproportionately focused on reputation and research. <coughs> huge questions around the methodology around reputation as a viable and a reliable measure of anything. Student satisfaction surveys, which is not necessarily included in this, are hugely um, disputed as something that's meaningful. Taking the whole question around peers, the representation of it, the response rate, employers likewise, who they are. Um, if we look at, um, and in some cases on the research side, we've got aside from Shanghai, which is 100% on the research, the Times is approximately 90% on research indicators or research-related uh, factors, and QS is about 70. Um, then we have issues around specific indicators. Um, we've mentioned that issue about the staff-student ratio. We'll go into that. It's a huge bugbear of mine, hugely unreliable and meaningless as an indicator of anything to do with, with, um, with um, uh, the quality of teaching. Um, some of the people may never teach, the people who are counted, the number of students, huge issues around the data, the reliability. Internationalization. Of course, Switzerland has a very large response rate. It, I mean, look at where it sits. Most of its, its students come in from outside the country. So it depends what it is that you're measuring. Should universities use rankings? Well, certainly... No, would be my basic answer. They are part of a smorgasbord of data. That's certainly true. But increasing evidence, including um, of people in this country, will often say in closed rooms, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that we do well in the rankings. And what does that mean in terms of setting goals, identifying particular KPIs, informing academic recruitment and promotion, identifying underperformers, identifying um, partnerships, changing our entry criteria to select on this, increasing the selectivity index, <coughs> reorienting research priorities to results that do better in particular disciplines, which is effectively why Ireland performs the way it does, because you need to really be in the sciences to do well. Um, the focus on internationalization as opposed to national issues and, and linking the national and the global. And I think as we sit here, uh, Mike raised a question about Trump, but if we sit here and we look at both the, the Trump and the, and the US and the UK elections, we will see where universities have voted in a particular way as they focus for a global 
in a sea of people voting otherwise. And we really need to look at where we are in terms of the kinds of goals that we're setting as we pursue global reputation. So how should we respond? Very difficult. It is a very um, tricky scenario as to how we balance off, but certainly the idea that we should frame a policy based upon improving in the rankings is both uh, foolhardy and nonsensical. First of all, we couldn't, as a country, afford it. And second of all, where, where institutions have sought to go that way, and there are some really interesting examples at the micro level, they have effectively beggared themselves. Because the idea that you can compete on effectively something that is a funded income input-based process is very difficult. So it does lead us, though, to questions about accountability and about how we do assess and where the role is, because one of the lessons of this whole discussion over the last 10 or 15 years is about the importance of being accountable and how we get that, and how that is out there and where does the academy respond, because just saying no isn't an answer. So I have a couple of do's and don'ts. Uh, my don'ts are don't seek to change your institution's mission or a national strategy to conform with rankings. Don't use rankings to inform policy or resource allocation decisions. All these things are done. Don't direct resources to a few elite universities and, and neglect the needs of the wider tertiary education system. And don't manipulate your public information and data in order to rise in the rankings. On the other hand, do ensure that your institution or your system has a coherent strategy and mission aligned with their values and objectives. Use rankings only as part of an overall uh, process of quality assurance and never as a standalone evaluation tool. Be accountable and provide good public information about higher education's contribution and engage in an information campaign with baby this as part of to broaden people's understanding about the limitations of using rankings. hugely disconcerting and upsetting when I come along here ready to cross swords with somebody and find myself agreeing with almost everything he says. <laughs> That's just not fair. Uh, because uh, I, I think that you know an awful lot of what Ben was saying about the QS, I would totally agree with. The problem is he's not being listened to. University administrators and presidents are not listening to what he's saying. He says this is only one tool. We shouldn't take it too seriously. Don't take us too seriously. They are being taken too seriously. That's the problem. And I disagree totally with Mike when he says this is all about headlines and nobody really drills down. That's all we're doing now in universities. We spend all our time frantically going over these results again and again and setting up committees and trying to understand how best to finesse the system. Exactly the point that Ellen's making, which is that universities should not be strategizing in order to raise the rankings. But that's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. They absolutely obsess about it. And I don't know what analogy Mike is thinking about, but the analogy that struck me, which is probably a little bit more polite, I don't know what exactly he was referring to, is I remember as a child, 
every Sunday morning getting the Sunday newspapers and looking at the football league tables. I was like, oh, brilliant, look at all the league tables. Look who's come up and come down. It's absolutely fabulous. Uh, I support a team leagues who were absolutely rubbish. They were usually going down. So I'm well used to the experience of Irish universities at the moment. But there was an everything. What went down came up and what came up went down. And there's, a, I think, definitely a mindset that just likes this whole idea of tables. We actually love it. Like we like seeing where we are and comparing in a way. But the comparisons, in my view, are absolutely spurious. We're not on a level playing field here at all. When we look at, I think it was the head of the HA and I got the quote here, he says, at the moment Ireland invests about 1.1 billion into the third level education sector. That is the equivalent of a small US college. So to absolutely can think that we are somehow competing against or somehow in a league against places like Harvard and Yale and Princeton is an absolute absurdity. No, we're not. We're not at all. We're in a completely different ballpark altogether. And to me is, the one comparison that might make some sort of sense is looking at the seven Irish universities working together to see how do we compare against each other. But this is where I run into serious difficulty. Yes, these seven universities have the same problems, they have the same constraints, they have the same issues with funding, okay? But again, if we start competing against one another, we're undermining the entire university sector here in Ireland. It's only at speaking together as one that we will be listened to, because otherwise we'll simply be picked off one at a time. And this is why this battle to me is ideological, because when you listen to the language about this, it's all about competing on a global stage, as if we're somehow businesses out there trying to make profit and do the best and be a, you know, the most go-getter business and all. I don't know why you came to university or some of you came to university. It's not why I came to university. I'm an educator. That's what I'm here to do, okay? Yes, I understand we live in the world, but we've got to also make money and to survive. But to absolutely predicate the reason we're here on this issue of competition, to me, is absolutely very, very damaging indeed. And where we get to, if we work our way down through the system, where the logic of that leads us is we go from university rankings, faculty rankings, discipline rankings, and now... Now, here it is, here it is at last, after 15 years of the rankings, here we come to the crux. They're now talking about introducing individual performance league tables. So you, as an individual academic, will now be in some sort of league table. Wow, at last, I'm actually in a league table myself. I don't have to be following a useless football team to do it. I can actually see how I compare with my colleagues. And this is the exact mindset that talks about students as customers, and it talks about academics now as competitors. I'm not working with colleagues, I'm actually competing against an eye guy or woman next door as a competitor, because I want to get ahead of them on the table and be the best one that there is in my school or in my discipline. And this is where the absurdity of this obsession with metrification is now leading us. And to think that we now cannot survive, well, this is, to me, just absolutely amazing. I, I hadn't realised, Ben, and thank you, we started saying, it was only 2004 that they started these league tables, and now suddenly we can't live without them. They're absolutely impossible. We have to have them. How could we possibly be in a world without league tables? How did we manage before 2004? I just wonder, were there universities before 2004? Did we actually have a university system that didn't have rankings? Well, we must have, but now, bizarrely, we have to accept them. They're now a reality and we cannot live without them. And I come back to starting out with Ben here, where actually, the problem to me isn't QS at times higher. They produce a product, and it's a really interesting product, and people like it. That's fair play. I have no issue with that. And I believe, Ben, I said absolutely that you're working to improve that product and look at better ways to do it. However, however, it's the universities have created the monster out of this product. And the problem is with us. 
not with QS and times higher, it is the way that we use these rankings in a way, in my view, that, that isn't just about slightly, you know, sort of bad strategizing, etc. It's about actually damaging the university sector because these are hugely damaging. And unless we step back and take cognizance of this and actually look at them in a more reasonable way, the way I have to say that Ben laid out here, simply as a tool, let's not be taken too seriously, but one we can use to a degree, we are going to find ourselves in very, very hot water indeed, okay? So now, having absolutely ranted for five minutes, we're going to have to run out of the room. <laughs> <laughs>